You are listening to the Missio Tempe podcast. We are a church of missional communities, living as a family of missionary servants for the good of our city. For more information about our church, visit missiotempe.com. We hope this teaching encourages and challenges you to faithfully take up your role in the Missio Day. We're just going to jump right in. Phoenix Suns head coach, Monty Williams, has this to say often to his team. Everything you want is on the other side of hard. Everything you want is on the other side of hard. Turn to some people around you. Agree or disagree. Let me give you actually one caveat, though, before you do. Another quote. Your strongest feeling is often not your deepest desire. Your strongest feeling is not often your deepest desire. The word want here, you can toy with. All right, turn to some people around you. Is that true? Or is he lying? Ready, set, go. Maybe you've, uh, you've figured it out. Maybe you have the right answer already. Maybe you didn't even get a chance to share. But this is a chance to enter in and really wrestle with, is that true? Let me give you some, maybe some more insight or avenues to think about this. I want you to think about an athlete for a moment. The entire experience of becoming great at something is difficult, it's challenging. You, as an athlete, put your body through a rigorous process of being formed into the shape needed to perform, to do things you desire so desperately to do. But all you see is the athlete at their peak, the champion. Today, whoever's going to hold up the trophy. But what you don't see is all the work that happened in the dark with no one watching. What you don't see is adversity, injury, self-doubt, or disappointment. Think about, for a moment, a parent. The entire experience of becoming a parent is difficult and challenging. You put your body through this process of getting up in the middle of the night when you don't want to, changing the most disgusting diapers. Henry has been on fire lately. (laughs) Tolerating fits of rage and tantrums, feeding them at the expense of your own ability to receive food in that moment, and disrupting almost every single personal preference for the good of your child, but all you see on the outside is the child being joyfully held and delighted in by their parent. What you don't see is all that happened in the dark with no one watching. What you don't see is the incredible tolerance that has been formed and not only keeping this child alive, but thriving. Think about, for a moment, an employee, which many of you are. Think about being what, what it's like to be an employee. The entire experience of becoming a really great employee for a company is difficult. You put your mind and body to work on a project or a task that you might not even have any interest in. You do the diligent work of filling spreadsheets, answering emails, dialoguing with coworkers to see a project come to fruition, potentially with little or no encouragement along the way. Now, on the outside, all you see is the ribbon-cutting ceremony of a new building or successful new medication that's been created or a new product that's on the shelf at the store. But what you don't see is the countless people and hours of deliberate insignificance it took to create that beautiful moment that you're witnessing. It all happened in the dark. Think about being a good friend for a moment. Deep friendships are not made in microwaves. 
or Instant Pots. They take time, lots of time. More than that, deep friendship takes something that we all want to avoid because it's difficult, conflict, specifically conflict resolution. Deep friendships are built on trust of the person showing up in your life over and over and over again. Now, all you see on the outside of two friends is as they enjoy one another's company at a restaurant or some other places, and they're sharing tears and stories, all you see is the outside, but you don't see all the work it took to get to that moment that happened in the dark with no one watching, no one paying attention. What you don't see is the amount of consistent initiation from both people it took to develop that deep friendship. Everything you want in life is on the other side of hard. I think that's true. We're continuing a series today of what I'm titling it, Three Things You Need, or maybe another way to say it is How to Become a Resilient Disciple. If you are with us last week, we uh, talked about what it means to be joyful in hope, that what you need is how do you develop and cultivate hope and joy that comes as an outcome, as a result of deep hope. Because the vision we have here is not for you to follow Jesus for five months, but for 50 years. And last week, I just tried to hold two things for you that ultimately give us a deep hope that creates an avalanche, hopefully, of joy, which was that Christ has risen from the grave and that Christ will return to make all things new. That's it. Everything else between now and then in his return is a lot of gray, a lot of mystery, maybe a lot of confusion and fog. But if we hold to those things true to be at the end of the story, it gives us joy in the moment, regardless of our circumstances. I gave the picture last week of like a window that often when you see, at least in my house, the window that's to the backyard, it's full of slobber and dirt and uh, all kinds of nasty boogers that are on there. And what you don't see is because you focus so much on the window frame itself or the or the glass, you can't actually see through it to the beautiful backyard. Hope is being able to see through the present circumstances right up here in front, through it, to see what's coming next. So if last week was about your perspective, looking forward, today is about your posture. It's about your posture. The second phrase we're going to look at from Romans 12, verse 11, is being patient in affliction. Joyful in hope, patient in affliction. If you have a Bible, would you turn there right now? Romans 12. We're looking at just one verse. Romans, sorry, it's not 11, it's 12. Romans 12, 12. It says this, Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, and faithful in prayer. Joyful in hope, patient in affliction, and joyful in prayer. We're going to look at what it means to be patient in affliction and how that gets us to see that everything good in life is on the other side of hard. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to turn to some people around you. When you see the word affliction there, what does that mean to you? Like what what do you, when you see affliction, what, how would you describe it? How would you Um, how would you define it? All right, turn to people around you and then I'll call us back.
Hopefully someone in your group gave you a definition that you resonated with. Let me give you what the word means here from uh, the scripture in the original language. It means something that's being compressed. There's an external pressure being placed on something or someone. It's a squeezing of sorts. Like the picture I've had all week is like, uh, you ever see one of those like uh, movies where like the walls are coming together and they're trying to quickly get out, like the people are trying to escape? Star Wars, maybe. Uh, I haven't seen it myself. You can talk to me a bit later about that. Uh, a squeezing of sorts, a pressure. It hems you in. You, in a sense, are limited of your choices. That's the meaning of the word. Like, have you been in a circumstance like that where you feel squeezed? Maybe even today you're feeling that way. I want to give uh, maybe a caveat of what affliction is not. Maybe that would be helpful. Uh, we as Western folks, uh, largely this is a Western reality, are allergic to most things that are difficult or hard. Uh, we uh, are about comfort, and we have an economy that creates little gadgets to make your life simpler. I was even thinking last night, I was trying to get uh, a free Apple uh, TV uh, seven-day membership so that Keaton and I could watch the first episode of Ted Lasso. And... Uh, I was actually frustrated because I had to get up to go get my wallet to find the uh, code on there because it wasn't happening fast enough and my computer hadn't saved my credit card. Like, is that not just a little picture of like, oh, we're allergic to discomfort. Oh, I gotta get off the couch. So here's what I wanna say. This is the, the statement and you might disagree and that's okay, we can talk about it later. We often mistake affliction for consequence. You've heard me maybe say this quote before, but uh, it's from a guy named H.H. Farmer. He was a lot of things, so we won't go into that. But he says, if you go against the grain of creation, you will get splinters. Oh, splinters are not fun, right? The reason I bring up that quote is because, let me give you an imaginary scenario of how I see uh, affliction being uh, retranslated in our moment. Uh, imagine for a moment you're starting your first job. And this is a hypothetical. This isn't anybody... Uh, here, it's truly, it's, I made this up. Uh, it's a 30-minute commute to and from your workplace, and you don't return, you leave the house at 7.30, you get back at 5.30, uh, but here's, here's the problem. Your current practice before you start this first job is that you're usually up till two or three in the morning, scrolling endlessly through TikTok videos, and then you wake up like right before you have to, to get in the car to drive, and so you don't eat breakfast, you just kind of get out of bed and get into the car, and then you drive to work, and then for lunch, you have a cheeseburger with a chocolate shake because you forgot to pack a lunch, but you wanted something quick, and so I gotta find some quick food, and now you do this every day of the week. You're getting five or six hours of sleep every night. Now you're having to drink so much coffee to keep up with the pace that you're living. So now you're like jittering as you're going through this work day. You have the, the caffeine tick that's happening in your hands. And then you get to every week and you basically black out for two days. You go to bed on Friday night and then you wake up like Saturday at 2 p.m. and you wonder what in the world has happened to me? Now you're doing this for a couple of months maybe. And then you get on the scale one day and you've gained like 20 pounds because you've been eating those cheeseburgers every day for lunch. You're not sleeping. You keep on, your, your screen time is like going through the roof. And I would guess that 
a typical, if you're having that experience, you might post on your Instagram account later, I am experiencing a lot of affliction or pain. Affliction? I don't know, baby, that's the same thing that's happening here in what Paul is saying. It's a silly example, but often we paint affliction, I think, in ways that it's just because we're living against the grain of creation. It's actually consequence. The reason why we're experiencing what we're experiencing is because we're going against how God's made you and the world. And yet we think it's affliction. Now, that doesn't give me room to nuance and talk about all sorts of things that need to be brought up, but just, just come along with me for a second. I think what it means here to be patient affliction, Paul has one big assumption in mind. He's assuming that you are trusting and obeying Jesus. That is the why you're experiencing affliction. You're trying to be faithful. You're trying to both trust and obey. And because of that, for some reason, outside of your control, whether your circumstances, external forces pressuring you in, it is causing affliction. Afflictions, um, not just uh, simply uh, like persecution or something like that. Affliction is also because we live in a broken world with broken bodies, communities, and systems, and cities that hem us in, that pressure us, that compress us. So here's my question I'd love for you just to answer in the quiet of the room. What affliction are you currently being squeezed or pressed in by as you seek to trust and obey Jesus? What is it that you are being pressed in by and squeezed by right now? Because you're trying to be obedient to King Jesus, to be patient in affliction. Let's just sit in the, in the quiet of this space. This is a vulnerable question, so instead of having you actually go to the, to the groups, maybe encouragement would be to do that later with some close friends. But what are you being hemmed in by? Where do you feel like your options have run out? As Henry Nouwen described discipleship, where do you feel called to go where you'd rather not go? In a relationship, in a workplace, in a community. Not that there's not reasons to move away from things or to set boundaries. That's, again, there's a lot of nuance in this conversation. But where are you being invited to, to trust and obey, to step in? Hold that thing just for a moment, and then we'll circle back to it. The second word here is patient. To be patient in affliction. So we've identified maybe what affliction is, but then the role is to be patient. To be patient. I would say that there's two, two ways that we often go with when we experience affliction. The first is anxiety, and the second is despair. The first is anxiety. In our affliction and our pain, we quickly look for solutions and quick fixes. We look for things to soothe us from the experience that we're having. And so it's a form of anxiety, and we're trying to get back into control. 
if I take this class, if I do this thing, if I make this decision, then I will have some sense of control back. I will get over my pain and my affliction. It will go away. It's an anxious activity. I got to do something to fix it. Or despair. It is what it is. Like, ah, I might as well just accept what reality is and live with the disappointment and despair that I feel. There's nothing I can do. There's, there's no hope I can really have in the situation. I'm just going to kind of just exist. I'm going to find some trivial things that I can fill my time with to deal with the pain that I'm experiencing because it's just too much for me to actually look at. But is there a third way? Not anxiety or despair. The third way is patience. Here, patience and affliction. But what does that even mean, to be patient and affliction? Here's really interesting. Let me, let me get to the word what patience means. Patience here, this is incredible stuff. Sorry, maybe just for me. Patience here means to, in a sense, to, um, it means to, in a sense, bear the load. Like, like imagine if you're carrying something on your back. It means to stay under the load. Isn't that really interesting? Like it's an agrarian, uh, it's a, it's a, uh, it's a, a farming uh, picture. Like to carry something, to, to carry a load, to not drop the bag of hay or whatever it is on the ground, to, to stay under, to be patient in affliction. Uh, every couple of weeks, Clark and I, uh, we do some yard work in the back. This time of year is great because my grass does not grow very fast, and so we don't have to cut the grass every once in a while, over, every, only every once in a while. But also we have to trim the trees sometimes on the back wall. And every time we do it together, uh, me and him are working together, and Cozy might jump in there as well. But his understanding is that we are truly doing it together, right? But what he's not recognizing, because he's six, is that Tad's doing the majority of the work, right? He's carrying the majority of the load. Like, he's, he's, he's participating. He's under the load. He's bearing the weight with me. But like carrying a wheelbarrow, even, like, he might even, some of them might, oh, I, this is too heavy for me to carry. I'll, I'll help you on the side, Dad, you know, as you carry it and take it to the back uh, alleyway. We have those in Tempe. You guys, maybe, maybe in your where you don't live, you don't have that. Uh, but back alley where we put all the green debris. But he might describe it to Keaton later, like, hey, we did it together as if we were equal participants, right? The reason I, sh- I share that picture is I think it's getting at what this idea of patience is here, patience and affliction. One of the maybe most misunderstood passages in all of Scripture is Matthew eleven twenty eight 28, that says, Come to me, all who are weary, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Like the picture of a yoke is of oxen, of a, an animal carrying the load of a farmer through a field. Jesus is saying, take my yoke upon you. What he's saying in the picture is he's in a sense right next to you. He's bearing the majority of the load as you till the field together. The reason why it's misunderstood is it's, in a sense we take it as throw the yoke off completely. Come un, Instead of bearing the load, just throw it off. And yet the picture here is that actually you get to be next to Jesus as he bears the burden of the load of what you're going through. 
but you stay next to him. You're still underneath with him. But just like Clark and I, Jesus is doing the majority of the work. To be patient in affliction means to stay next to Jesus and let him carry the burden for you. Because here's the truth about your affliction, whatever you're facing today. God doesn't want to meet you in the future, and he's not going to meet you in the past. He wants to meet you right now in the present. Right now, he wants to carry that burden for you and with you. How different is that when we think about the things we're carrying to know, one, we're not doing it alone, but that Jesus is with us. He's carrying the burden for us. He wants us to participate and to stay underneath with him, but he's gonna carry the majority of the load. Come back to that thing that you were, you were, you were naming earlier, the affliction you're facing. Now, I just wanna invite you to pray in your own seat, by yourself? How might you invite Jesus to come carry the burden for you as you stay connected to him? How might you invite him as you've been trying really hard to carry the majority of the load yourself to let him take on the weight and for you just to be next to him in the process? Would you do that now? Maybe many in this room are carrying a burden that not only they're giving to Jesus, which is his rightful place, but they haven't actually invited anybody else into that process as well. I'm going to invite Kenny and Adonijah to come up here. Scott, if you want to grab the kids. One more story before we come to the communion table. About four uh, years ago, I had probably the closest experience I've ever had of meeting someone that, like, you could describe as an angel, like an angel, like, where did that person come from kind of experience. Uh, I don't know why. Keaton and the kids were out of town for some reason or another, and I had decided that day I was going to go and walk around Tempe Town Lake, where you can find me most days this time of year. But this specific day was a Sunday. It was like a Sunday morning or afternoon. We were gathering in the afternoons then as well. This is before COVID. And I had just felt very, uh, it, it was a really challenging season for me, to say the least. Uh, I felt like on all forms of affliction or pain, frustration with where I was at in life. And I remember sitting down and uh, I watched this guy like walking from the parking lot. And he walks this way, and then he walks around this way towards me, and then he looks at me. And we, you, know, you have the moment with a stranger where you catch eyes with somebody, and then you're not sure if you should say hello or just like let it go. And he looks straight at me and says, I'm going to come sit down right next to you. It's like, this is kind of weird. <laughs> so I'm like on the bench, and he sits next to me on this bench, and he just begins to talk to me, and he introduces himself. And at some point in the conversation, he just drops, hey, uh, I'm a Christian. And I listen to Jesus every morning when I wake up, and I just drive wherever he tells me to go. And today, I have come to you at this bench. And I'm thinking either, like, this is really cool or he's hallucinating, one of the two. And uh, I'm not sharing too much about myself because I'm, like, kind of guarded. This is some stranger I just met. And then, like, uh, maybe five minutes into the conversation, he turns to me and says, Charlie, 
like he's like uh, what you're experiencing is a lot like how grapes are crushed mm. to make good wine mm. it's like to get to the wine the thing that you most want there's a crushing involved and if you don't go through the crushing you won't get to taste and experience the good wine that's waiting for you so don't grow weary don't give up and then literally he stood up and walked away. I was like, wow, I, I haven't had that many experiences in my life. Maybe that's the only one, really tangibly. Everything good in life, everything you want is on the other side of hard, but you don't go alone. Jesus is carrying the yoke, the burden. He's carried it to the cross. Think about the process. Imagine this is real wine for a second, okay? Not juice. Think about the process of making a loaf of bread or even a glass of wine. How much work went into creating this beautiful experience of bread and wine that you get to taste. Each week, you get to come to the table and experience that someone has carried the burden for you. And he will return and he will make all things new, but you need him right now in the present. Not in the past or the future, but in the present. So as you come in just a moment to taste and see that God is good, would you remember that he carries the burden for you? That you can be patient in affliction and stay underneath the load because he's right next to you. He says, come on. Come with me. We will walk through this together. So would you stand? repeat this mystery of our faith Christ has died Christ is risen and Christ will come again come and eat